0: now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai really great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. uh, Without question. Uh, All with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Great sales staff that works with you. That makes a big difference. And also along the way not uh, a great service department that backs it all up you need to have that service department backing it up the entire time and they do that I mean look and it's not just like oh you know we, we need help here I mean it, it, it's a big one um, no no they'll take care of not only that but the simple stuff as well which is really important I mean really important along the way. All right. So, uh, that's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So... So tonight, another chapter, Red Sox and Yankees. Some memorable moments between the two along the way. And just a quick look on our play-by-play calls of the day. Keep the left. There hasn't been a bigger swing in a long time. Others will fall to them. I mean, what can I say? Just keep my heart, and call the Yankees my daddies. And thusly, seminal moments are made. It's over, and the Yankees have won the pennant. Peaks become valleys. Pop up, that might be it. He'll squeeze it, and it's over. Entire eras are played. A big time home run, from Bernie Williams, and then lost. The biggest comeback in postseason baseball history. This process is reflected in every area of endeavor where rival forces are engaged. Yep. <laughs> They've emptied a few times. Fisk, Munson, <laughs> Pedro Martinez, Don Zimmer. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So they'll play again tonight. That's our play-by-play calls of the day. Some of them Matt would be happy with, and others Matt would be very unhappy with. But that's Matt. He understands unhappy. With that, it's great to bring in Sweeney Murney, by the way. Sweeney, uh, who did a phenomenal job filling in for Susan Wallman when Susan had to step out. That would be a lot of fun. Sweeney, great to have you back. That was great. Every every
1: year, right around Jewish holidays, if they fall on the right days, I get to fill in a couple of days, sit next to John Sterling in the broadcast booth. I mean, you know, listen, I do all my work for 21 years now. I do my work before games and after games. So to actually get, you know, a couple of handfuls of games in the broadcast booth over the course of the last... Uh, Seven or eight years now, probably. Um, it's it is. It's a thrill, and you know, you uh, listen. You you grow up wanting to talk about baseball on the radio, and you talk about base Yankees baseball and WSAN, and then get to do a couple of games with John Sterling, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. The
0: Yankees have had an interesting season, so let's just focus on on the second half. They had that thirteen game winning streak, and everybody's like they're home free. Then they slumped. They're not home free. Then they got hot again. They're home free. Then at the end, they stumbled. So, (laughs) so, you know, as I've told everybody, I think the Red Sox are a good team, not a great team. I said, I think the Yankees are a good team, not a great team. How accurate is that?
1: I think it's right on. I mean, listen, 92 wins. You know, I think the fans of both teams want to look at their flaws. They want to look at the 70 losses and, and think that that's the real team, especially when they, you know, if you're looking at the Yankees, they come in such severe streaks and slumps. Um It's hard to throw away the 92 wins. It's hard to forget um, what made them that good. And the fact that their bullpen, in a stretch of about three or four weeks, Steve, from the end of June to the end of July, I I think it was maybe five late losses that just really crushed them. Um, So, listen, they're they, I think they both have a puncher's chance. You know, they both have some really good hitters in the lineup that you're, you know, trying not to let beat you. There are two very good pitchers in the mound tonight. They both have some different bullpen issues. The Yankees seem to have maybe settled to more of theirs than, than the Red Sox have. Um, I I, I love the fact that this is the game, that this is a one game. I know there are people who say it's not really the playoffs. Listen, it's the only game in town, okay? If you're a baseball fan, you only have one game to watch tonight. And the winner moves on, and the loser goes home.
0: Yep, Uh, exactly. Uh, So what has – I mean, you're around enough. I mean, clubhouse access is not what it used to be, obviously. But what does a guy like Anthony Rizzo mean on and off the field to the attitude of a team?
1: Well, let's remember that these are not the Yankees of Jeter and Pettit and Rivera and Fasada and Bernie Williams. You know, you those guys. Those guys had you know World Series rings falling out their pockets, right? This Yankees team has three players with a World Series championship to their name. That's right. One, one is Brett Gardner. One is Aroldis Chapman, and the other is Anthony Rizzo. So, from that standpoint. You know, you need to have somebody who's been through this who can get you through the, under normal circumstances, 11 victories when you're a wild card team, 12 victories to get you through to the World Series. That's what Rizzo, I think, brings. I think he brings something much needed because we never used to think of that as something the Yankees needed. You didn't need people with championship yeah. ex- championship experience. They had plenty of it. They don't right now. Right. So I think that part is very important. And on the field, I think you see what an athlete he is and what a good defender he is, uh, his tough at-bats, foul. I mean, I think I, – I don't know if if I was around him for a full season, I might have to keep track of how many foul home runs he hits because yeah. he just – he battles pitchers like crazy. It's pretty
0: fun. Well, in fact, I'll, I'll go to the other part, um, and that is the defensive part of it. it. Everybody sees the offense. To me, the Yankees have had uh, outstanding teams when they had the ever-underrated Tino Martinez at first, Mark DeSher at first, because to be honest with you, the Yankee infield's not a really good defensive infield, and they really weren't back then either, but the first baseman made them better, and Rizzo makes them all better.
1: I think this is not a very good defensive team, um, and I think their strongest parts are on the corners with Rizzo and Gio Urshela, but Urshela has been moved to short because of the issues they have with Glaber Torres. We'll see if, you know, Urshela got very banged up. As people saw the players, saw the highlights. He went flying into the third-base dugout to catch a foul ball mm-hmm. uh, in Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Rays. Only came out of it with, like, a bruise on his thigh and a got a little cut somewhere else. He's he's okay, but he was he was limping pretty badly by the end of that game. He'll play if his range is compromised at all, and it wasn't great as a shortstop already. I would think he's better suited to play third base tonight, which will help your corner infield defense. Yeah. But up up the middle, you know, this is not a good defensive team, Steve. The Red Sox are not a good defensive team. No, they're we not. Even saw, if you watched um I think it was a Sunday night game in that series at Fenway oh, um you know, about 10 was, days ago. That was crazy. Yeah, Drive fell I mean, in and guys oh, are throwing ball all over the yeah. place. And, I mean, there really isn't you know this is not gonna be a defensive clinic. Neither no. team and and if whether they, whether it ends tonight and it will for somebody, or whether it ends down the road, I would think defense will shine, will rear its ugly head at some point because neither team is is very good. At no,
0: avaldi uh, and Cole are two guys that can give you seven innings. Okay, no yeah. question. So let's go to your guy Cole. And, you know, we're talking about. I mean, for thirty six million, this is the ball game uh, right here. Uh, so. He went through the spider attack issue and the really wishy-washy answer he gave. He sat back and go, yeah. "What the heck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. And I cried. I thought I was watching a press conference, and and because they're all like that now. And, yeah. Uh, but when you look at the effectiveness of coal, especially the four seam effectiveness, what are you seeing?
1: Well, I think there are a lot of different issues at play here, and I can't pick just one if you'll indulge me. Uh, Spider-Tac is certainly part of the question. I think what's interesting is that the last game he pitched against Toronto, was he was wearing long sleeves, one of the first cold-weather games he's pitched since the beginning of the season, and in the beginning of the season, they weren't cracking down on substances. So they made that changeover, I guess, what, June 1st? Yes. So we were into warm weather games by then, so now he's pitching in colder weather, a little bit harder to get a grip on the ball, perhaps, and when you're missing that extra agent that you used to use. Um, So that is one issue. He had a hamstring injury earlier in September. It only pushed a start back by a couple of days, but it's clear that he was a little compromised if you watched him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says it's fine. They all say it's good, but they all jump to say it's good a little too quickly without, you know, without... uh, Elaborated, which leads me to believe that, okay, there's probably something at play there, and maybe he's not able to finish his pitches quite so well with a hamstring issue, and maybe that leads to, you know, a forcing fastball leaking and not locating exactly where right. it's supposed to be, and perhaps getting hit hard. Um, add into those the fact that you know, the Blue Jays took a lot of really good swings against them. Was he tipping his fastball, or was his fastball just not that good? Right. Um and maybe tiring a little bit at the end of September because every pitcher is. They only played sixty games last year, one hundred and sixty-two this year. Um, so I, I just gave you four different factors. I don't know which one of them right. is. I don't know how many of them are totally real, and I don't know if you comp- if you combine them all. I don't know what you get, but. You know, you're right. When you're making this kind of money, you got to pull that all aside and just pitch one game. It's not about any of the other
0: ones. Yeah, JD Martinez a no-go tonight. He tripped over second base, running out to right field. (laughs) Uh, But it sounds
1: like something you or I would do. I mean,
0: I mean, I I can tell you I would do it. Uh, (laughs) But this is why you acquire Kyle Schwarber, and you know, so I mean, Schwarber actually will now fit in. I'm sure I haven't seen the lineup. I'm going to assume he's the DH tonight. Uh, Yeah,
1: I think Dahlbeck's going to play first.
0: Yeah, and that that they'll do that. Yankees win why? Red Sox win why?
1: Um, Yankees win why? Because Judge or Stanton or Gallo uh, get something done. Because I think, to me, Nathan is is going to be able to navigate the bottom half of the Yankee lineup pretty well. Um, I think he blows through them. Yes, the Yankee lineup is not as deep because they've had some injuries. Urshela is not as good as a player as he was or hitter right. as he was. Right. And D.J. LeMahieu is out. So they're dealing and, – and Kyle Agashioca is going to catch Garrett Cole. Weaker Yankee lineup in the bottom half tonight. If he gets through the middle of the order, Evaldi can dominate the bottom half pretty well. Yep. Uh, Red Sox win tonight if Rafael Devers gets a yep. big hit off exactly. of Garrett Cole early. Exactly. That's the one. You know, put them – if you put the Yankees in the driver's seat – they're going to be able to control pretty well out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. and I think they feel pretty good about that. Regardless of whether Cole can give you five or give you seven, um, if you get on them early, I think that opens the door to Avaldi going deeper into this ball game and just dominating the Yankees if if he's allowed to.
0: Right, yeah, I, mean, I think that I think it's right because Devers is probably uh, to me he's the best fastball hitter the Red Sox have. Uh, so. Yeah. You know, I mean, he turns on pitches, and I think Chapman from a few years ago yeah, well, uh, that? Yes. Can, can attest to it. All right, my friend, thank you so much. Appreciate your time jumping in on short notice. Glad to see you and your family are doing so well, and you continue to do your usual uh, big-time work. Thank you.
1: Steve, thanks for all the kindness. Thanks for uh, having me on, and uh, hopefully I'll get to see you in the fall.
0: Sweeney Murney, WFAN in New York, covering the New York Yankees, and, of course, the Yankees' Red Sox tonight at Fenway. Neil Kulong in the final half hour will depress the passengers and talk about the Steelers. Although it may be a fascinating and interesting conversation (laughs) the way it's gone so far this year. Because there are a lot of issues there to talk about. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf, on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today, Tony. in today, doing a great job. Thank you, Tony. Matt will be back tomorrow. Matt currently is in the Bahamas. I said normally, Matt when he goes on vacation, I mean, goes to really nice places. Like you notice how the suit always goes when he goes on vacation, goes to non extradition countries. Have you noticed that? I'm just there a reason for that? I get, I get concerned. <laughs> All right. The quarterback for Iowa is Spencer Petrus, Last year going into this game, and I don't really like to look too much at last year, but it's the one game he's played against Penn State. He came in, And the big knock on him was he turns the ball over too often. Okay. Well, to his credit, he has settled down in that regard. In fact, when you look at Petrus, he has, what, seven touchdowns, one interception so far this year. Now, I will tell you the area where, to me, I look in him, he, and there are two areas. Number one, he doesn't have great mobility. So that's one. Number two, when he throws it, he's very accurate. Uh, I, in fact, I have found him, in watching the tapes, I think he's, he's become an accurate thrower of the football. Uh, but he also has a bad habit where he really stares down the guy he wants. There he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. I got gotcha. <laughs> So he does tip off where he wants to throw the ball because he stares the guy down. Once in a great while, does he look off and go someplace else? Yeah, but most of the time, like, the primary guy is his primary guy. But he has not been shy about taking the ball and saying, you know what, play's not there. I'm just going to throw it away. He's been smarter about it. It's made a big difference. And they have good receivers. Tyrone Tracy's a good receiver. Nico Regain, I think, is very, very good. I think Arlen Bruce, freshman, has come on um, and has played very well the last two weeks. Number 10. Good looking player. And Laporta, the tight end, is the guy. good Goodson, the running back, good receiver, runs legitimate routes, quick, elusive. I mean, you get in the open field, he's really elusive. And, but you have to cover him. And he is a good, um, I mean, to his credit, he is a good receiver out of the backfield. Ivory Kelly-Martin's okay as a receiver, but Goodson's just better. And It's just the way it is. it's like, um, And I think, you know, there's just a couple things to watch out for. I mean, we, Ivory Kelly-Martin's in the game, yeah, well, they throw him the ball, sure, but he's not quite the same as... As as Goodson happens to be. There's a lot to break down about this game. Uh, Iowa's very good on special teams, and they will run trick plays off their special teams. And that's something else to watch out for, that they do that. So there's a you know there's a lot here to to, uh, to plow through. Look, the Penn State offense has to do its part. They've got to move the ball, and I think one of the important factors in this game is making Iowa play from behind. Iowa had to play from behind in the Colorado State game and handled it. But I there's a way Iowa likes to play. You need to get Iowa away from playing that way. In other words, take that away from them. Just a couple thoughts. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Cure, Route 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. taking your calls at 800-795-9565 this is the steve jones show on news radio 1070 wkok now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones and today's show brought to you by sunbury motors fourth street in sunbury sunbury motors Camp. it's 11 and 15 almost working Online at sunburymotors.com. Four Kia Hyundai, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, fabulous sales staff, a service department that is second to none. It is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummelsworth, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, let's get to the Steelers. Bring in our good friend Neil Kuong. Sir, welcome back. Great to have you with us.
2: I'm happy to be here as always. It's been a a rocky couple days, but I knew I had this to look forward to. So uh, here we go. Let's get it on.
0: All right. Uh, So let's get to it. Um, How much has has it been? How much is it the offensive line?
2: Is it possible for it to be all of both?
0: Uh, It can be. it can be, Here's because I, I think right now we're looking at a quarterback that for one of the few times in his career because of his offensive line has become gun-shy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That that to me is 1,000% true, and that's what the problem is. And he is that way whether or not there's pressure coming. And through four games, I'm comfortable saying that. I didn't necessarily believe that when I saw it. But I, I think I said last week, I honestly felt against Cincinnati, he forgot what down it was when he dumped off to Najee Harris then he did it again (laughs) it was okay you know this this isn't a coincidence anymore um he's not thinking through fully through everything that he's seeing and a lot of that is going to be confidence he looks like a a scatterbrained rookie when he's playing now he's not making decisive plays um i mean that to say that's every time the touchdown pass he threw Uh, on what, the fifth or sixth play of the game, the one to Deontay Johnson, uh, he he played like Ben Roethlisberger. He stepped up in the pocket. He moved a little bit. The protection was there initially. You're not going to get 10 seconds of protection. So he had to to evade a little bit, and he kept his eyes down the field, and he made a play, probably because he knew he had a a single coverage situation on the outside. He loves that. He won't go away from that. But if it's anything short, if it's anything to the middle of the field, comeback routes, things like that, He's not pulling the trigger on that at all. He's taking a look at the defense pre-snap. He's getting the ball, and he's dumping it off. And to me, it kind of negates the purpose of playing so much out of shotgun. If you're going to do that, if you want to keep your eye on the defense for that long, take a look around. You you can't be seeing a lot of what we're seeing a nanosecond later. Things are opening up. That should be visible to an NFL quarterback. He's not doing it, and that's a, a significant a point of concern in my mind. He's not going to be able to play successful football, uh, being as short as he is now. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they want to make an op- a, a change in that regard. Clearly, Mike Tomlin said today they're not going to. I have a hundred different reasons of why they're not going to. Um, you're not going to get good play at your quarterback position, though. And I'm not, I'm not sure Mason Rudolph makes that any better. But it, it, it's it, it's not good. And this is this really just kind of fits in the mold of what we sort of thought this team was going to be. They're they're not going to be all that competitive. They've got to get better in a lot of areas and quarterback is certainly one of them, but that to me was a high watermark for this offensive line (laughs) game against green Bay, a a hobbled unit, not all that great anyway, but pretty beaten down by injuries. I thought they protected pretty well. I thought they did a good job in this game. Um, it's a 180 from what we've seen the last two weeks. So if you're moving in that direction, I think there's more that you might be able to do, but, um, He's making it tough to believe that, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, um, I'll get back to Ben in a moment. Yeah, it's my opinion the Steelers' offensive lines, which have been okay the last few years, but have not been to the same level since Mike Munchak left. Is that fair?
2: Absolutely, I, I think it's fair. I, there are a couple couple things with that, too. One, um, we, we've talked about this way back in the day. We go back into our, our dusty old archives Mike Munchak is still, it, it, at, at worst, among the best position coaches in the NFL. He, he's a genius. Every player you talk to, every other coach you talk to, says the same thing about him. He brought something to that unit that, you know, I, I don't think there are many people around ever who, who could. Um, along with that, though, he had some pretty high-level talent working for him within their prime. You, you had Marquis Pouncey. You had David DeCastro coming off of – or Pouncey was – excuse me, Pouncy was coming off of an injury at that point. DeCastro was, was going into his second year, uh, or his third year, which would have been his second uh, full-time. He, he missed most of his rookie season. Um, they were a building unit. They needed parts to, to fit in around that. They needed a new scheme. And they were able to overhaul that group um, largely in, in one off season. They brought in some other players, and Munchak got a hold of them, worked with them through camp. They were a dominant unit in 2014. Munchak gets a, a large chunk of the credit of that that's not going to happen this time, in case we haven't noticed. Um, instead of David Castro and Marquise Pouncey, he's working with a, a third-round rookie and a fourth-round tackle, um, the, the, the first one being the center. That's a lot to make up quickly. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen progress, which is really how I would evaluate a coach, uh, especially in the, the, the situation that Adrian Clemens is in. They've got a really tough hill to climb. I, I'm not sure many teams in the nfl without having dived into it very deeply i'm not sure many teams in the nfl have as tough an offensive line assignment for their coaching staff as the steelers do and they knew that right they knew that going into it none of this well at the exception of banner who let's be honest they had probably a, there was definitely a possibility that he might miss time early but uh having to go to battle as the first team i've looked this up the first team since at least 1970, because records weren't kept before that, to start as a season with a left tackle who was drafted in the fourth round or later. The only team to do that, that's your 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. And to be honest with you, he looks like a backup tight end, not a left tackle. He's not having a good season. They need to get him out of there as quickly as humanly possible. And I'm not sure Chooks or for was doing much on the right side anyway. I Joe right. Haig came in and played... You know, either the game of his life or what you would expect your right tackle to play, and the rest of the line improves. So I, I think there are personnel issues that the coaches need to figure out, and there's also a natural uh, level of improvement that's going to come the more reps that they get, and that that part I think is is more reasonable to count on. They will improve as the year goes on. I, this is not a Super Bowl contending team. I never thought that it was. Frankly, if people did, that's on them. You know, there's no reason they really should have thought that. Getting a good amount of improvement over a line that has to probably, again, make some changes next year, but setting up a foundation again on their offensive line is paramount to pretty much anything else they do during this season. If they can get that unit to, again, perform at a high level with what they have, things are going to go much, much smoother next year. And I think that's what they're trying to do.
0: All right, so now I'll transition back to Ben as promised. Again, he does this thing where it's uh, Ben Roethlisberger's always been, look, down the field, you know, unless he has Antonio Brown. Okay, I got that. But, I mean, the, the biggest difference between, you know, everybody in their prime, Odell Beckham Jr. and Antonio Brown. What made Antonio Brown the far superior receiver is he could take that short cross and turn it into a 60-yard play. Odell Beckham Jr. never does that. He'll take a short play, and guess what? He gets hit right away, okay? Ben goes short to Juju Smith-Schuster on a fourth down play. What are you doing? Okay, that's, I mean, again, I go back to, like that's what I expect, you know, Taylor Heineke to do.
2: I would, uh, I'm I'm choosing my words carefully here, but I I think that's a good comparison. The thing I can't get over is, and I, I said this, and probably was made a fool of by by our collective audience here, all of last year. this is a team that strength is running after the catch. Yep. It's been seventeen games last year. You're through four this year. twenty one games. I don't know how I can continue to say that because nobody is going anywhere after the catch. Nobody is making plays after the catch. No, To even suggest anything is is even close to Antonio Brown is is laughable. They don't have an offense because their offense is built for something that they can't do. And to the point with me, it's like that's the last fortress. They don't have anything else to, to put their hat on. I don't know what this offense can do. I know that they really can't do a lot of things. If they can't run after the catch, if they can't set each other up, if they're not running combo routes to to get somebody free with a chance to make a play up the field, they really can't do anything. They're not running the ball. You know, it, it's a a, a, a watermarked day for Najee Harris because he gained 61 yards on the ground. Yeah. It's been what 17 consecutive games without 100 yards rushing. Right. That's a
0: that's a miserable
2: statistic. But I thought he miserable. was supposed to. I
0: thought he was supposed to solve this whole thing.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, it's not going to happen now. I mean, from what we've seen, um, you know, maybe giving him more than 15 carries would, would break that streak. I'm just yeah. not sure how connected that streak is to winning. Right. Um, I, I know this as well. How many times did we hear this offseason the Steelers saying, uh, or Ben himself saying, part of the reason he fell apart at the end of last season is because he had to throw through training camp, and then they threw a bunch last year. <laughs> they spent the entire offseason revamping the run game. Ben Roethlisberger has 169 pass attempts through four games. And he has 98 of them in the last two weeks. Where's where this ship heading right now? What, what's going to happen here? You're still not running the ball. You're still not running the ball successfully. And your quarterback, who didn't get younger from last year and fell apart at the end of the season, is clearly headed in that direction now. Right. So uh, I, I don't think you need to bench Ben Roethlisberger. I, I think nature's going to take care of that if, yes. at the pace that they're on. Right. He's hurt again. He had a pec injury last week. It's a hip injury now. Yep. Um, it, it's it, he's not gonna be able to hold this up. It's that simple.
0: What has this now done to the margin of error that this defense must play under?
2: Oh, they're they're way past that. They're they're ten miles north of, of margin of error. I mean they, they they're going to have to produce I, I didn't give them much of a chance anyway, just because we saw this so often when you have an Aaron Rodgers on the field, and I think you you are able to see this more clearly when you don't have a good quarterback of the team that you're watching. Right. Rodgers, so many times in that game, he was just doing whatever he wanted to do. He was just toying with the defense. Yeah. They would do one thing that didn't really work. You could tell they're going to come back to this with a variation on it, and they would. A couple crossers over in the middle, they barely missed on one. Right. Uh, they hit it twice in the second half, from what I recall. Yeah. And the worst part of it is Rodgers was completely dominant, completely in control of that game, and he didn't have a great game. No. He really didn't. He missed on a couple. It was like, ooh, Aaron, you you get the, you can tell too. He was he was yanking his chin strap off in frustration. He didn't have a, a, an outstanding Aaron Rodgers game, mm-hmm. but he was so far above and beyond the opposing quarterback and the opposing offense. It was a it was a scrimmage to him. Yeah, the Steelers defense couldn't hold up with that at all. They mm-hmm. they really couldn't. T.J. Watt had without question the most overrated two sack game I've ever seen in my life. He was they, they negated him in entirely he sure. tripped Rodgers on one and he fell on him at the end of the game on on another um it, they they were toothless beyond that. I think that uh they could have been a lot sharper against the run than they were, but they rogers had little to worry about that entire game, and if he was better, they would have scored forty
0: yeah all right, so now we're two from here. Um, I mean, I, I think they've got a shot this weekend. What do you think?
2: I don't think Denver is a great team. I no. think Denver, you know, not they're, coincidentally, I think okay. Denver is... They're they're a team that's also trying to transition this season so they can go make a run at Aaron Rodgers next season, which is what I think is going to happen. Um, I wouldn't blame them at all. I think that's exactly the move that they would want to make, and I think it makes them an immediate contender in the AFC. They're, they're building. They've got a lot of young, good parts there. Uh, they don't really have the 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 difference making quarterback. Um Teddy Bridgewater has done a pretty good job. Uh, I, I believe he's hurt, right? Because Locke is probably going to start. Is that I, I haven't done my early I, research I think, on it yet. I,
0: I think Drew Locke is starting the game. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater can make it.
2: And we've seen Drew Locke. Um they hurt him last year. I think it they got they they took him down I think like in the first quarter of last season the game against him. Denver still almost came back and won. Uh, I don't think Denver is much different than pittsburgh is they're just probably better and with that i i don't think they're unbeatable i think you saw a lot of things that they can do um you know pretty well defensively i thought baltimore had you know pretty easy job for them defensively and offensively they could have just you know run them out the way they've done a lot of people um denver's defense i thought did a, a, a pretty remarkable job of holding them down they, they can play defensive football they're not a high level team though um you know. It's a gut check game for we're we're talking getting into the point of uh, future jobs for players and coaches now that that's where Pittsburgh's season is. And guys are going to start playing with some pride, and you're going to need to step it up. This isn't a team that's gone worse than two and six over their first eight games, and I don't know how long, but um, we're we're smelling that territory now. They're not far from there. If they're going to avoid that, this is the game that they need to win. Um, uh, Seattle is a reasonably decent team as well. After yeah. that, you got to buy. Uh-huh and then some pretty good divisional games. So they're going to have to figure this out and and try to put some momentum together.
0: All right. One one final question about that. And you know me. I don't like to – I'm not big on, like, hanging somebody's job out to dry. I'm not big on that. But is there some talk in Pittsburgh about – because Kevin Colbert assembled this team. Is there some talk about his job performance?
2: I think there are there's always a conversation about how your general manager puts the team together but I I've been saying this they are not looking right now at a lens of a single season they're never going to tell you that right. that is never going to be said publicly they have Agreed. tickets to sell they have a reputation that's right but no move that they've made at this point suggests they're honestly thinking that they're a Super Bowl-caliber team. There is not a single move that they made this offseason that suggests that. People talk about they loaded up for Ben one more time. Ben took a pay cut, okay? They didn't load up for Ben. The only way Ben was coming back is if he took less money. That's what they valued him at. Um, They didn't add Juju. Keeping Juju for a year is probably more they had an advantage of, of dollars against the market, but clearly that's not working out all that well. Uh, you sign Melvin Ingram because you don't know what's going to happen with T.J. Watt at that point. He could have held out for all you knew, and you wouldn't have had anybody else. <laughs> they didn't make a move this offseason that suggested to me at all they're going in to compete now. They are building, building a team out for the next two years, three mm-hmm. years down, right. which is exactly why they gave Colbert, as well as Mike Tomlin, right. four-year contract extensions in the offseason. The Steelers mm-hmm. don't announce the length of their contract extensions. They barely even announce extensions for the coaches the GM. It, it's, they're, they're doing that for a reason. They're, they are setting up the expectation for a team that has to make some moves that are not going to be great in year one, but they're going to get better if they do it the right way. And to be honest, I think they're doing a great job of that. I think they, they put the right players in the right places. They're just not going to be good enough right now. You don't want as many rookies starting as they have. You know, I like Trey Norwood as a player. Was he your dime back when you, or your nickel back when you drafted him in the seventh round? Right. Did you know that you had to do that? There's no way. Right. He had to take that job because he's a young guy that has to step up and play. They have a lot of those on this team right now. And you don't typically win when you have five rookies playing significant snaps for you in a season.
0: My friend, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
2: Definitely. Yeah, Thanks for
0: having me. Neil Coolong. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Every time this plays the suit and moonwalks, it's usually entertaining because he's not usually upright when the moonwalk is over with. It's there's a level of entertainment to it. I know it sounds cruel, but. Sometimes the truth hurts. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. As always, more coming up tomorrow. Big week, and of course Penn State will face Iowa Saturday at four o'clock. Two thirty will be the airtime here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Plus, of course, we'll stream it. following our high school football coverage. Phillies are done for the year, so now that's that's off the plate. Of course, we've got the Eagles and the Steelers on to carry on as well. And uh, Neil made some interesting points. I, for the Steelers, the issue going into training camp was simple and basic. Most all of us, in analyzing the team, said, this is not an offensive line that is good enough to give the Steelers what they need. Harris is a very good running back. But he doesn't look like a very good running back behind this this offensive line. Now, he's been able to show his ability in open field when they pass on the ball. I mean, he had 14 receptions against the Bengals. So you can see, um, along the way, the talent he has. But running behind this offensive line... He can barely get started. And all those tackles he broke at Alabama, most of the tackles he broke at Alabama were five to six yards into the play. He can't, he barely gets to the line of scrimmage now in attempting to break tackles. And the time Ben has, like, he looks like a quarterback for the first time in his career that is gun shy because, look, he's going to get hit. It was an issue coming into training camp. It was an issue during training camp. It is an issue during the season. And it probably won't get better against Denver. Now, one of the keys to the Denver game is how well will Drew Locke play against the Steeler defense. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors here with 11 to 15 Hummelsworth, Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.